then you just like get in a stranger's car. Oh, I would get in people's trunks. So he's like, no, 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 you gotta get, you gotta get here, son. You gotta get here, bro. And Tanner's just staring at him. And then the next year, I made six hundred thousand. And then the next year, I made over a couple million. Bro, my ex's mom's calling me. What? Tanner, are you feeling good? I feel good. Okay, what's up, guys? Welcome back to episode four of All True with your host, me, George Janko. Um, thank you guys so much, dude. For wait, hold on. Like, I really gotta take the time to say thank you, guys. Um. The love I've been getting for this podcast is is really, really, really blowing me away. Like I have people that I look up to in the industry messaging me to want to be on my podcast. I feel unbelievably blessed. I'm so excited for you guys to see our upcoming guests that we have. Um, and and overall, the comments, I've been reading them. We were actually spending, a, I mean, this is my guest Tanner today. Sorry, I didn't even, I'm so rude. I didn't hello, even introduce hello. my guest. Hi, Tanner. It is a pleasure. One of my best friends, uh, super talented uh, scooter rider, and also he does a bunch of things that we're going to be getting into. But me and him were, uh, he told me, he goes, dude, I had to refresh your page because I didn't even believe your comments yesterday. And I was like, what? And, and I looked at it and I spent like an hour or two just reading through all of the comments. And so actually what I'm going to be doing is uh, on my Patreon, not to plug, but we are plugging. My Patreon, we just released last week. Uh, I'm already getting so much love on that as well. So thank you for everybody who's spending their hard-earned money on that. $6, and I appreciate every dollar that you spend on anything that you do with me. Um, we're going to be having another podcast once a week on there. And that podcast is going to be a little different. It's going to be tapping into the community. So a lot of people are going through things that they want our opinions on and me and my friends' opinions on, and uh, and just our just our point of view. We're not here to say that we have the best advice, but sometimes it's really cool to talk to people that uh, that you are like minded with. And uh, so I just wanted to start out the the podcast with gratitude because honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I, I'm I'm living my dream, and it's because of the people that helped me get here, and also most importantly, you guys that are, are tuning in every week. And uh, just to let you know, there's not a moment that goes by that I do not appreciate you guys. So thank you so much. Personally, I just want to say, I think the Patreon is so cool because guys, like sometimes I will literally come to George in tears, like, bro, I need some advice. I'm going through some stuff and he'll talk to me for 45 minutes and I've already seen a little bit of what you've done on Patreon. And I just think it's cool that you're opening your fans up to, you're opening your fans up to a Almost a portal of that. Yeah. What I get to experience on a personal level as your friend in real life, and now you're going to... I really appreciate you Patreon, saying that, man. So. No, really, genuinely. Thank really you cool. so much. It means a lot. I, uh, I definitely want to get to a point in my life where I'm, I'm at the most authentic that I could possibly be. I've been praying for it. Um, this industry isn't easy, man. And, and, the, and the more days that I go through it, the more I ask God for patience and wisdom because like, it's, it's crazy. And, and, and it's such a blessing. Um, me and Logan, not to not to go on a huge detour all, all, all of a sudden, but when I came to this industry, there's a clip of me that uh, when I was first on Impulsive, I said, if, if, if it takes me one inch away from you and I'm talking to God, I don't want it. And me and, uh, me and Logan are walking into a party once and obviously they're just like praising Logan. Like, yo, Logan, you know, Logan, 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 because, you know, he's, the, he's that guy, right? He's the guy. Totally. Uh, but then when the people came up to me and they dapped me up, it was just on this level of like, hey, man, I want to talk to you about your, spiritual, your spirituality. And I was like, man, that's so cool that I got to be in a place right now in my industry, but I didn't get to lose what I came out here with. And uh, that, that's always the dream, right? You, you want to make it, you want to chase your dreams. And in the process, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to lose yourself. I actually wrote this in my journal when I was journaling. And I hope you guys, uh, you understand where I'm coming from when I say this, but uh I realized, and I wrote this down, I said, I think life isn't about changing everyone's heart around you. I think life is about going through 
your journey without letting everybody around you change your heart. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. It's cool to inspire people. Um, and sometimes people that are inspiring you may not be the ones that you want inspiring you. And, uh, and I, and sometimes I watch back my podcast and I go, man, I feel like such an asshole. Cause I feel like I'm talking as if I like no shit. But I'm genuinely just speaking from my heart and, and experiences that, I, that I've learned. So I'm actually excited to see where this podcast takes me because I know that every day I'm learning and growing as an individual. So I know in, in one year from now, I'm going to look back at my podcast and be like, God, I hate what I said there. I want to grow from it. Um, so just wanted to start that out. But I, 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 this is just a cool journey, bro. Nine years of being in this industry and, and Logan blessed me with being on Impulsive and I realized that like, man, I really like talking and I really like expressing and I, and I painting a story with my words. And um, we have a lot of cool projects coming out that all stemmed from podcasting. And I, I just, uh, again, I'm just so grateful. Um, but let's get into you, Tanner Fox. Tanner, I'm so excited to get into this because bro, I asked you one day, I said, can I, can I buy the rights to your life? Because I want to make a movie. <laughs> I, I want to make a movie. That's such a crazy sentence. Because, like, bro, I've never, like, dude, I've never met an individual like you. And a lot of people see you online. And please don't take anything what I'm about to say in disrespect. Oh, never, bro. I think people see you online as this, like, this really cool, like, looking kid that's, he's doing some scooter tricks and uh, he's riding fast cars and he's, some people might not see that there's a deeper level to you because I think of the content that we've created in the past, uh, growing up in this industry, we, we were doing what people, re we, no one told us, no one showed us the blueprints of doing this. You know what right. I mean? Like Vine was new and you, you were recording yourself at such a young age. And I, and I want to get right into this. Um, we talk about your background and I asked you before the podcast, I said, is it okay if we talk about a broken home? Because I think everything you're built on is is off of a shaky foundation. And I, I respectfully asked you off the podcast because it's a very deep thing to bring up. But I also was so excited when you said, absolutely, let's do it. Because there's a lot of people, Tanner, that I pray will listen to this podcast and, and help them direct their feet in situations or, or current events that you pray that you'll never go over again. And like... I'm just so excited because it, let me just show you guys my point of view of Tanner. He's the most generous human being I've ever met with his time, with his soul, with his money. Uh, the first time we ever drove anywhere together, uh, off a of video, off a of camera, there was nobody recording. He paid for the uh, the people behind them, uh, behind us in a, in a drive through, and he says, "Just do me a favor and let them know that I love them and to have a great day." And I literally turned. <laughs> Because I'm such a social media fuck and I hang out with so many people that are... Frick, sorry. I'm catching myself. Nice. Thank you. A lot of social media frick that um, I, I turn around and I was like, there has to be a camera here. There's no reason that this kid just did this because growing up as a Middle Eastern, we did that all the time. But seeing it from an outside, like my like little community out here, it's very rare. It's very rare. And so I turned to him and I go, why did you do that? Because I need to know. You know what I mean? Like I need to know what made you or possessed you to do that. And you said, I have a lot. Why not give a lot? And I was just blown away because, bro, like when we talk about that situation of you coming from a broken home, sometimes the no, not all the time, the people that usually put morals in us are our parents. Mm -hmm. And I want to I want to time travel all the way back to the first time you even got into scootering. Mm -hmm. And um, you were explaining to me that you got into scootering because it was like a family. Mm -hmm. You would you would hitch rides with 
with uh, kids, you you even described it while laughing. Like, bro, I would literally bug people. Like, hey, you go to the skate park? No. Hey, you go to the skate park? No. Hey, you go to the skate park? Yes. Can I come with you? And you're like, yes. And then you just like get in a stranger's car. Oh, I would get in people's trunks, bro. <laughs> and you didn't know who these people are. A lot of the time, no. I would go to you know different states and get the scooter contest, be, uh, and then grow to become like family with a lot of these people, which I still am. But so let's talk about that, man. Like, were you? So growing up, my parents were like, hey, everybody besides us who are brown right now in this family, everybody's going to kill you if you talk to them. And right. I'm like, what? I was like, I, I couldn't. Dude, like my mom, when you say that you got into a car with a stranger, my mother got in trouble at our school because they, she, they, I'm not kidding. They thought she was trying to kidnap a kid because she let me ride my bike with my friends, but she followed me with a car. And you know those cross guards, those teachers, they saw her doing this and they were like, this girl's like... She's doing something it was weird. A predator. It's a predator. <laughs> like that's not, and, and it's so funny because the only reason that that like her, I'll still remember her name, the crosswalker. His name is Mrs. Hart. Mrs. Hart, if you're watching, if if you ever were catching any of my stuff, a uh, shout out to you. You're the only person that believed in me. Ironic, the name was Mrs. Hart. I love you so much. She would always give me so much positivity. Literally, the only person growing up that would. But she she laughed because she told me she goes, I was about to call the police until I literally saw your mom pull up next to you. While I rode my bike to school, popped the trunk open, put my bike in her car because she would not trust the fact that somebody wouldn't kidnap me. So right off the bat, when you told me this story about how you were getting into the strangers of cars without you even telling me your childhood, bro, <laughs> I was just like, what the frick, bro? There's absolutely no shot that a child at what age? Uh, 12. 12 years old is getting willingly. Yeah. Go. Did your, did your parents ever ask you like, hey, like, are you or like, where are you going? Like, contact us when you get here. No, not so much, bro. And it's kind of funny to look back on. Um, I don't know where exactly all that started, but I mean, full circle, it is funny that I was, uh, I was a bit of an iPad kid as a child, you know, uh, I was. <laughs> oh no. And so, I hate the iPad no, but, kids. <laughs> but listen, but this is before content got really out, outwashed and or whatever the right word would be like. So just you know, describe it. So your parents would just hand you an iPad and. It, no, not even like, I remember I would go, I went to the dentist and my dentist had bought in a new iPad that he would let kids play with in the in the waiting room. And so I was like, this is like, I just always loved Apple for some reason. I was obsessed with all that stuff. So I got an iPad. Um, I, I would walk dogs or I would like do chores and I slowly saved up. I bought myself an iPad and full circle. I was watching a guy named Nikolai Rogotkin. His dad would record him traveling around the world. He's a world famous mountain biker now. And he, his dad filmed him scootering and, and biking. And I just thought it was so cool that I basically talked my dad into one day taking me to the skate park. Uh, and I found, well, my local skate park, and then it ended up going into this really big skate park called Claremont, where I ended up learning that other people scootered, and it was a, kind of a full circle thing like that, but it was really just like a big escape for me, I felt like. Um, not that my parents maybe didn't want me at home, but they got divorced when I was nine, and my mom was a single mom. She was uh, trying to pay for our household, and my dad, same thing, single dad. You know, he didn't have like the greatest maybe monetary job, so they were very busy, and I felt like- You grew up on a boat. For for five six years I did yes my dad I, I would like to get into that because first of all that's cool as shit Re could you do me a favor could yeah. you extend his mic a little bit so when he's looking yeah. at me the the audio doesn't cut out um I want I want to like I just want to I want to paint pictures in people's heads so yeah you grew up on a boat did you did you go to school um so I got kicked out of a school when I was in fifth grade and then I started doing this charter school because my mom literally was so sick of me. Reed, I think it's falling, buddy. She yeah, basically right, said she's gonna, 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 maybe that was mean to say, but like the truth is she said, that's it, you're going to military school. And my dad was like, 
whoa, 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 no, I will, I will be the main, more main parent and I'll, you know, sort him out because he was very into boating his whole life. You know, he comes from a pretty traditional background and I think he kind of dealt with the pain of them not being so accepting of that. So my dad was more like, all right, look, I'll, I'll deal with him. He found out an alternative that was charter school. So I went to school basically three days a week for two hours a day. I was supposed to be doing work at home, which I really didn't do. But my dad always said, if you get, if you get A's or B's, uh, you can keep doing your scootering stuff. So, I mean, I really just had to like get by with school and like that. So your parents <laughs> were around. They weren't. They were they around. Were, they weren't pay, absent. Let, it wasn't like. But um, they were very busy. They were very busy. They were doing their own thing. They kind of let you also a little bit raise yourself. So when. Oh, hundred percent raise you, myself. You, you never, you never had um, or, or terrible parents where they beat you or they left you to, to no. be, to be, to be hungry. But Not sometimes. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it may seem like that. So did you ever feel like sometimes you like, why am I here? Like, did, were you ever curious on, um, and, and I hope I'm not touching no, anything. No, 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 like, super do. disrespectful. It's all good. I just, cause I, I'm just proud of you. And I told you when you, me and you were having a conversation, we were both in tears about it. And I had to remind you that I think you're a greater man than me because you, you come to me for advice and you come to me and, and yeah, true. I give you the wisdom that my parents gave me, but I know that. I didn't go through that because I, I wasn't able to handle it. And I'm a true believer that God only gives you what you can handle. And the circumstances you had, I don't know if I would have been able to handle it. And so when I said that, I'm very proud of you, bro. Like I've seen really, really bad people try to manipulate you, hurt you, steal from you. And you will go out of your way to still fight for what is fair. And mm -hmm. you still don't even want to stab them. You still don't want to hurt them. And I'm just, I'm... Very excited to tell people that I'm your friend because I like to take pieces of my friend that I'm proud of and, and try to absorb it into my life. Ditto. And, and, your, and your ability to be patient and understanding of circumstances, like I would hear you say something ridiculous about what somebody did to you and I'll be like, oh, we got to go. We have to kill him. That's the only thing that we have to do now. And you'd be like, well, we can't judge because we don't know. And I'm like, bro, like I grew up like that because I had to learn that because my parents were teaching me this. But you learned it through like literally life experiences. So there was times where you felt like you were, you had to learn how to do things on your own. And if there's a kid out there right now that has a dream or has ambitions or maybe he doesn't even know what he's doing, but he just feels like he is a part of a family but he does not know where he belongs. What would you tell him at a young age that really helped you like push through this life? Um, a big thing I always preached in my early days of YouTube was do what makes you happy. And I think like whatever resonate resonates with someone's heart is what's right for them. And for me, like my biggest escape was scootering. It was the skate park. And as I grew up and got older, I started realizing like why I ended up there or like why it made so much sense for me. And the truth is, is the skate park in a sense is for the social rejects. And I put, I put that in quotations because it's like no one's a reject, but like I was the kid that didn't get picked on the basketball team or this, that, and the other. So I ended up the, the LA fitness. I know that was a big deal for me. I didn't even tell you about that because I was dealing with another problem directly after that. But that was like a. I could tell that was that hard it was, for me to be there. I, I, I could tell. <laughs> I felt like, really awkward. I, I could tell. Like we, we go to LA Fitness and and not to cut you off, but no, I, I want to yeah. describe this. I noticed that there was something bothering you. Yeah. We went to LA Fitness, and anybody who plays at LA Fitness basketball, it's like you're playing in prison, and it's like everybody thinks that they're in the NBA and they're getting paid, 
but they're not. They're trash, and they really think they're good, and they'll follow the shit out of you. But if you follow them, it's like they're gonna have to kill your mom. It's like this is the atmosphere that like um that I was I always got there. I've never actually been to LA Fitness where people were like, and mind the way, I'm in I'm I'm in LA, so maybe it's a little different out here. But uh, <laughs> I've never seen anybody like really care about the people that they're going up against or they're on their team. Yeah. For some reason, Tanner has no idea how to play basketball. Like bro, at, we went there to lift weights. Like at all. And I told him, I was like, bro, we're not lifting weights. Let's just face it. We're not. I'll be trying to like, get, I'm, you know, I'm trying to get some gains. I need, and I need we're going to keep saying that and we're keep not, you know? <laughs> so we go to play basketball. And this guy's like, he, he's supposed to be guard, supposed to be. So anybody who knows basketball, when you're on defense, you're, you're supposed to be in front of the guy. Tanner was behind him and the guy was confused. He's like, why is this guy not guarding me? So he's like, no, 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 you got to get, you got to get here, son. You got to get here, but you know, get your head in the gate. And Tanner's just staring at him and he looks at me. He's like, is this guy, he's mad at me. And I was like, no, he's showing you love. He's teaching you how to play. And you got so flustered that you're like, you subbed out and you're like, yeah, yeah, I got to go. And I pulled you aside. I go, no, 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 bro. They're showing you love. Like there's respect here. But like, I could tell that there was like past trauma that was like clawing at your heart. No, literally. So you use the skate parks because you could really blend in with their mindsets. Well, and I come to find out as I got older that most of, well, every kid at the skate park, in a sense, is maybe a social reject at home or at school, and they all kind of end up in the same place. And for that reason, I think there's a mutual respect of you're my brother and I'm your brother, and like I'm going to be there for you and you're going to be there for me. And it's just like that's the kind of community at the skate park, especially with the scooter riders. Skateboarding, maybe not so welcoming of a sport, especially to people like me, especially in the early 2010s. Um, but I think that's what really drew me to that place was that like I had a group of friends that were legit my family. Like maybe they, maybe there wasn't a mom or a dad or so-and-so, but like between all of us, we could get a, we could kind of cover every base and like maybe there was a house we could all meet up and always have slumber parties at, or maybe there was always this, a couple parents that would always make sure we got to scooter contest because they love the community of that. And I got to blend into those certain types of families. Like there was a couple really main ones that really looked after me. And I don't know why they looked after me. Um, looking back, I, I think I would just had a lot of enthusiasm. I was really excited to be there because genuinely I didn't, maybe didn't feel so welcomed at home. Like for a lot of good reason, I didn't feel welcome at home. So I, I would you know try what? to get to the skate park and spend as much time as I can there. And really quick, I want to say like, I would purposely make really good friends with certain people, especially when they had a really cool dad or a really cool mom that was hanging out at the skate park. Yeah. And then I would try to go stay at their house as long as I possibly could. Like there were times where I lived in Ramona for months at a time. I would come home for maybe the weekend to just get some schoolwork done so I could go Did back. your family ever check in to see where no, you No, they really didn't. <laughs> it's actually crazy to think back on. Like I would get like, uh, we would just do like kind of little hoon stuff, I say, like hoodlum stuff. Um, because like we had no guidance and there was a time I got pulled over driving a golf cart when I was 12 at like three in the morning after we were lighting off mortars, like huge mortars in a neighborhood. What's a mortar? Like a giant firework. Like, I don't even know where we got these fireworks. The I big just, ones. I was just hanging out with these like kids from the skate park. Shane Davis from him. Oh, shout of, out Shane. He was one of them. He was one of them. And I, and I spent a lot of time with him in my youth like that. So there was that. And, um, you know, there was a ton of different families like that, but <laughs> you, you're one of my best friends and, and I always tell you, I go, my home's your home. Yeah. You have the key to my house. You have a bedroom here. And I, I will say this over and over and over and over again. And you'll always you'll always check in, hey, am I am I am I over am I bothering you? Am I spending too much time here? And I have to keep reminding you, like, bro, no, like th this you're good. Yeah. And it, it's it's crazy to see that like 
and and and, I, and I'm gonna gas you up right here, bro. You're a multimillionaire at a very, very, very young age. You've you've done a lot of things that people can't even do in ten lifetimes, and you're still always curious and worried about if you're invading other people's spaces. Mm -hmm. And I just want to let you know, like on camera and off camera, bro. Like you brighten my life. I swear, bro. You you are such a cool kid, bro. And and I'm I'm just I'm just excited to see you have a family because I know your children are gonna have. The, the like the most unbelievable father. You're always talking about how you yeah, want yeah. kids. You're always excited. You're always you're always joking around. Be like, I'm looking for that honey that I could I could wife up and have kids. Like, bro, kids your age are not talking like that. You know, kids are kids are like, I'm gonna smash that. I'm gonna smash that. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. But you're like, you're just trying to wife somebody up and have a family. And I and I pray to God that you you have a bloodline that's so fruitful and so like unbelievable, unparalleled to what you could even dream about. But and to be honest, bro, I think that's a big thing that keeps me grounded and that has my whole life is that I've always kind of thought like, you know, I don't have the perfect life. I've always wanted to become that person maybe. So I think that's been a really big driving factor, to be honest. And it's a big reason I started making videos and that led to me having monetary success in my life was like my dad used to tell me bedtime stories before I would go to bed he, about cool stuff he did. And so I always thought it'd be so cool to one day give my kid an iPad and be like, look at what I did and just show mm. them. And I think that's always kept me as a good example. I don't know why I've always thought like, I know my kids will look back on a certain era of my life and they'll be able to see what I was going through at a certain time. But yeah, that, I think that maybe is a big part of it as well. I love that. Um, I, I want to tap into you achieving goals because there is a lot of people that uh, are in your shoes or, or the shoes that you wore before and it didn't stop you. And I, you know, we always joke about like how little Tanner was killing it. And you would always say like, why did little Tanner kill it harder yeah, than me now? Seriously, bro. And sorry for burping against he the was rebel. He a lot more of a put together human sometimes. I do than not I think, he, I don't think that bro. I think he was, he was less scared of losing what he has because he didn't have anything. Yeah. And I think that you're so scared of losing the stuff that you've built because you're so proud of it. And and by the way, you're not the only one. There's so many people that deal with that. Yeah. I, I was dealing with that until I had to give myself a big reality check. To uh, it, was, it was a gentleman. I asked him, I go, you know, these are my thoughts. And he said, write down all your blessings and act as if God could only let you keep five. And so I did. I wrote down all my blessings. And by the way, like I'm a very grateful human being. So I was taking my very long time. And when he said only keep five, uh, I kept the five that ironically I came into this earth with good health, my family. You get what I'm saying? Like the, mm -hmm. the very cheesy things that people tell you. But I realized that I'm like, man, if you could only keep those, then it's all you need. So I just want to let you know, I, I do believe in God and I do believe in the devil. And I believe that when people are so scared of losing what they have, they forget the blessings that God gave them. And, and, and the devil can never remove something away from you that God said, no, 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 this is for my son. There's nothing the devil could do. And I, I gave this analogy to you. I said, the worst thing the devil could do is have you drop it. Because some people get so overwhelmed by, okay, I'm going to lose it, I'm going to lose it, I'm going to fuck it. So they just drop it, right? Mm -hmm. But that's all you could do is talk in your ear. But once you really built that confidence, like, no, 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 this is for me. Yeah. This is mine. Nobody could take this from me. And I'm going to keep pushing. And if I do lose it, it wasn't meant for me to have it forever. There's better things after that. So when people really get scared that right, right now, this is the best that I got. I got to keep it. Then you're paralyzing yourself and you're standing still. People that are successful that go through that are actually in the same reflection as the people that don't know what to do in life and they stand still. How funny is that? I know it is. Standing still is the death of you, right? So you just want to keep moving forward. Yep. And when you were a kid, you did not stop. 
There was a time that you told me that at what age you left the country by yourself? What age? 13. Oh, no. I traveled to the other side of the U.S. when I was 13. The first time I left the country uh, was when I was 15 <laughs> for a month. I went to Australia and, by myself, yeah. How did, when he told me this story. I met a friend on Facebook. When he, that's why you went there? Yeah, there was a scooter oh kid. I watched his God, YouTube videos. Bro. And this, then, he'll get kidnapped in a heartbeat. Bro, bro. literally, I don't know how I didn't. <laughs> I'm serious. Sometimes I think back and it's like, wow. But I just would like walk around. With, and also, I don't know why, as a little kid, I was like, I'm a little boy. Like, what, who would want a little boy? Uh, to find out, it's like people are real fucking Hollywood. <laughs> a no, lot of producers, like, actually. <laughs> I had no fear, though, bro. I, and I was, I was traveling to every state, multiple countries. I toured around Europe with some real random people. I toured around Australia. I mean, looking back with some real random people like that my parents never met. Maybe they had a small conversation with them on the phone. But Bro, you, you told me once, you're, I, I was like, how do you... How do you eat? How do you do you like? Is my audio sound good to you guys? It sound like it's weird. I like it, yeah. Okay, cool. So make sure. Uh, I don't have headphones on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I go. How did you like get stuff? And he goes. He just puts this huge smile on his face, and he goes, "Actually, I was on the plane, and I realized that if I push money at people at a young age, like, oh, hey, could you oh, could geez. you use your credit card? They felt kind of like in, entitled to like help me to help they you. Did. So they 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 basically let you keep your money. I'm not kidding, bro. True story. One time I took a wad of ones out of my pocket, like a fucking crumpled wad of ones, unraveled them all, asked the lady next to me, can I swipe your card so I can order um like a, a snack box on Delta? Like, and then she let me use her card, like literally. Did she take your money? Yeah, she did. She let, she let me do it. What a bitch. Nah, I mean, hey. She, she took your money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, can I use your, like, respectfully, I wasn't trying to get nothing for free from she her. She still helped him. Yeah, she helped him. <laughs> I no, needed a that's, card. Yeah, yeah. That's messed up, They wouldn't bro. let me pay cash on the plane. I needed a card. If a kid came up to me with crumbled, <laughs> I'm giving you Delta. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm giving, I'm buying stocks and giving it to you. I, I don't know how anybody could take money from a child so he could eat. Did she not ask you where your family was? No. To be honest, no, I don't think so. I was I was flying to like Oregon or uh, New Jersey or something. There was a couple famous skate parks I always wanted to be at, and I knew I should be at for my career. And Bro, stuff. this is so different from my life. Let me tell you something. Let me notice how different mine is. My mom would take me to this mall called Desert Ridge in Arizona, and it's an outdoor mall. It's very small. The AMC's here, and Dave and Buster's here. And there's a little water thing that shoots up, and little kids run through it. Right? My mom would sit right here, and my mom's quote to me was, "Come find me." Before I come find you every 10 minutes. And I'm like, what? So like I literally had to figure out a, a way to like make sure my friends didn't know that I was checking in with my mom. But I had to come by and give her like one of these. Like, like hey, look, so I'm fine. Like, I'm good. I'm alive. Right? I'm not getting kidnapped. Yeah. Um, and the fact that like the fact that you were traveling different countries bro like it like i, I was I, hustling too. i had a curfew up until 21 years old until i had to tell my mom i go hey ma i have to move to la I, like i'm not even kidding bro i had a curfew up until i left la and then like dead ass my mom till this day i'm 30 years old bro i have to call her and say good night and let her know i'm home like it's wildly different and that i think is what you're gonna provide like when you're when you're a family uh when you're a family man um so you go ahead and you travel different countries for scootering. When did you start realizing that this could be an avenue for money? And also, did anybody teach you about the value of money? Um, okay, so about the only thing I knew about money is my dad told me when I was young, he said, if you make $100 a day, you're good. So I was just like, all right. And then the other half of that was 
I was always very conscious when I was scootering that like I was choosing this over the school system and over getting a, a normal job. Like I knew I was pursuing this. A lot of kids were at the skate park to just be a, be goofing off and have fun with their friends. I was always very conscious that I'm a, I'm a very competitive person and I wanted to be the best in this area. So I was going and I was training and I was practicing for tricks so that I would I would work my way up in scootering and I ended up getting on one of the biggest scooter companies when I was 12 on their Little Luckies team. It was like below amateur. Did they pay you or what did no, they do? No, they gave me like, maybe they would give me a complete scooter and then I would get a discount on stuff at Little Luckies <laughs> and then it moves up, moves up. The most I ever made from scootering uh, as a salary like that was like $500 a month from that company. Until I was 17, I dropped my really big scooter line and I had social media following and all that. But I was always like very much pursuing scootering to be to get to a place of being the best. And I was also very blessed in a sense where I grew up in Southern California, which is the epicenter of action sports. Skateboarding started here, surfing, I mean, like uh, motorsports, like got really huge dirt biking in, in the IE, which is like 30 miles inland from the beach. And like, it was a very epicenter place. And I grew up around really high level people that were in scootering, even though it was a smaller sport. And so I had really awesome people to look up to. And those same people um, eventually would kind of bring me a part of their little team and they would help or they would bring me on to promote their teams and I would get to go on trips with them and slowly I ended up at uh, different contests and then at this contest and then I was like okay I got to place high or else I'm not going to be able to come back to the next ones and like I got to really prove myself and so I slowly worked my way up in that sense and um, at the same time I was always really obsessed with making videos I've had four YouTube channels before this one since I was seven years old, I made like random skits. I always thought I could be on like America's Funniest Home Videos, me and my sister with the camcorder and all this stuff. So I was like documenting. How did you get into the recording? My dad he had a camcorder. I don't know. He, he always made family videos and he'd always say, I'm going to show you this when you're 18. I'm going to show you this when you're 18. And I don't know. I just thought it was always so cool. And I have like a famous little line. I still say, uh, can I see? Can I see? Like after he'd film me, I, can I see? And I'd like run up to the camera and want to see myself on the camera. So I always like loved that for some reason. And then uh, I would watch people scooter. And I thought it was so cool that they have scooter edits. So I wouldn't go and make, I want to make a scooter edit. So then I would film myself learning how to do this. And I'd watch the older kids do scooter checks where they talk about what parts they ride. And then I want to be that. So people watch me do that. And I would slowly kind of fall into that. <laughs> the, the videos of this, the kid doing, like I'm going to, in the, most likely in the clips channel, but you were so young. Yeah. You were so tiny and cute talking about like, okay, so this wheel is from this company and like, it's just so adorable, bro. Yeah, like bro. how you were just like already into it with the confidence of like, y'all want to put this on YouTube. I have two questions. When did you start making money with your videos? Because I know you, you made it at a very young age. Mm. And then my second question is, when did you get your first videos where you're like, because I remember you told me this specifically. We were in your backyard. You said that the comment sections became more your family. Like you were like really tapping into your audience oh, and not like even like an influencer, just like somebody who's like, finally, like some, some people care about what I'm doing and yeah. I want to like talk to them. Uh, so when did you, uh, start making money off your videos? And then when did you get like this, this viral, uh, uh, influencer status? Um, so the, the money thing is actually a really cool story. It's like before you'd even think. I started monetizing my YouTube channel in 2015. That's when I learned, and I'll, I'll say that in a second. But when I was 12, I was also always the kid that wanted to be filming everybody at the skate park because in a sense, it like made you a part of everything. Maybe I always didn't feel like I was the best scooter rider, but I knew that if I like had the camera and I was filming, like 
for some reason I get I get to be a part of it more. And since I was doing that, there was this one family uh, scooter rider named Jordan Robles. They, their family took me everywhere, and I, I was pretty much his personal filmer. Uh, so one of my first viral videos with two million views is an edit of him when he was six. And I filmed him because his dad would be like, Tanner, I'm going to come pick you up. And he would take me to and from the skate park because I was always his personal filmer. And I would film this kid so much I had fails of him, like of him eating absolute crap like at the skate park. And for some reason, I'd upload these little random clips. And sometimes my friends would send me their fail clips. And I'd upload them. So Fail Army, if you ever heard of them. Yeah, of course. And Break.com. I somehow got an email from them because they have my, my emails on my YouTube channel. And so I, I became the contact for the guy at Fail Army for Scooter Fails. And there was one month I sold him 16 clips for $1,100 when I was 12. So like that was like, I'm so, yeah. Like at first I was also like, I have a clip I sold to ridiculousness when I was 11. Did you for, understand that at the time when you were 11 years old? Did you understand what that meant? I mean, kind of. I thought it was so cool. Like I was also on the prank, prank.com or there was a TV show on MTV. I, they, I sold them one of my clips also. And I was on TV. It was me pranking my mom. And then there was another one of Maverick, my one of my best friends, like eating crap on a on a dirt jump, and I sold that to ridiculousness, and then it turned into the Break.com giving me money, and like so that was when I first started making money from content, and then I just knew like all right, I got to keep having the camera around type stuff. So anytime I had a fail clip, I'd hit that guy up, and he would buy it from me for usually a hundred bucks. And um, then when I was fifteen, um, I had been making a ton of scooter videos, you know learning this new trick scooter check how to do this another viral video is like how to buttercup which is a scooter trick got like two million views when i was 12 i'm like hi i'm tanner fox like literally and then when i was 15 i'm sitting in a hotel room i learn about this guy named adam lz professional bmx rider and at that same week one of my other friends he's like yeah i signed to an mcn and i'm like what's that he's like it's a multi-channel network and i'm like fuck does that mean he's like they help your uh they they place better ads on your youtube channel so you get paid more from youtube i'm like you get paid from youtube he's like yeah bro you can monetize your youtube channel and then so i did that and then um made three vlogs to copy adam lz because he made a thing called webisodes copied him and then my fourth or fifth video was about those little electric Segway things. No shot. And that shit blew the fuck up, bro. And this That's, was right. It was only your fifth or sixth video? Like vlog type. It was probably wow. my 120th video. But it was like first time attempting YouTube as a as this era. And uh, yeah, basically. Uh, oh, yeah. So then that video went viral. It was about two months before I was going to get my license. I had my permit. And at the time I was like. I was talking to my mom and dad and they each give me a little bit of money. Even my manager in the scooter company was going to give me like 300 bucks towards my car like because he loved me and like a lot of people were like like helping. But that video went viral. I made $8,000 and it was in October from that video. It got like a couple million views. Now it has 25 million. That's what really skyrocketed my channel. But it enabled me to buy a car and then from that on, that moment on, I bought a Ford Focus. It was for $8,000. Like I literally just spent the check on a car and I was like, I'm going to make a video every other day. And I just kept doing that from then on. And then that's when it fell into everything else. But like, that's probably when I was 15. So 15, you were, you were making a lot of money. At that point, yeah. I went from, so you went from zero to like, what was like your first I checks remember looking like? With that $8,000, I made, I remember, because I, like, I remember at the end of the year, I had to do my taxes. I made $15,000 that year, including the 8000 in October, which I got paid for in December. So I really made $7,000 throughout the whole year from scootering which I don't even know how I did, maybe selling those clips and the scooter company gave me $500 and a shop sponsor giving me $200 and winning a contest. I won 500 here, uh, got third place at this contest, got 250 there, whatever it was like. Um, and then the next year I made 600,000. And then the next year I made like over a couple million, 
like yeah so it, like literally bro yeah that's some growth man <laughs> it was all youtube it was all the youtube wild west era dude like, but think about that you were you were like 16 and you were you already a millionaire yeah yeah this, okay, and this, all yourself too no old money all new money everything yeah. you made yourself dude. i remember it ticked you off bad when some dude uh acted like the nice car that you had came from like your parents that like really ticked you off. Where? When we were at Robex, you didn't say anything to him, but you said it to me, and it I was uh, you got in the car like, what? I don't know, remember what you said to me, but you were like, he probably thinks I, I have like money from my parents because it looks like it. No, because you're so young yeah. that when you're driving a four hundred thousand dollar car, people are not expecting you to be making those payments. Yeah, you know no, what I'm that, saying. I mean, no, it makes a lot of sense. I feel like I always made jokes about that though. I would always say like. Thanks, it's my daddy's or like I would always. Oh, make, that's what it was. I'm sorry, you weren't mad. You were making fun of it. I always make jokes about. Oh, that. okay. I my my apologies. I'm I'm sorry. That's why it was very it was very blurry. But I remember I was laughing or, or I remember that moment stuck with me where I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. Um, but okay, so hold on. So just let's let's backtrack a yeah, tiny bit. It's crazy. You go from going and checking in at Arby's. Yep. So you could get a free large fries. Yup, Carl's Jr., bro. Carl's Jr., reward I'm so system. sorry. The reward system. So mm. you, on the way to, right across the street from the skate park, he would check in so he could have uh, stuff to eat from their, their from their points. You go from that to buying cars that are worth $400,000. Yeah. What what does that do to your mental, bro? Like, what did you become an asshole? Did you did you feel like people around you were fake? Did you like, because like, usually you hear these type of stories and, and it's it's very much... That's the rocky part of their life, right? right. What, was there anything there that you want to like kind of highlight when it comes to emotions? Um, it was a very weird time of life, you know. Like I started getting everything I ever wanted. I was maybe never the most popular kid to begin with, and then that made everyone kind of want to be revolved around me. Maybe I think I kept it under wraps, like really good. I was like I kept my mental good for like the first couple years of it, and then I think like maybe when I was I think I never, I never went like south with treating people like an asshole, but I think at a certain point I ran out of answers and you hit the imposter syndrome a little bit and then you maybe fall into addictions with different types of drugs to find answers and then maybe in that era is when my self-confidence got completely shot and um, I, I, then maybe I would be perceived as an asshole to a lot of people. I cut a lot of people out of my life. Um, I went through eras of realizing how people would even be able to take advantage and then realizing which people were taking advantage and then cutting all those people out and then doing more drugs and then falling deeper into a hole. So I don't think it was ever like, um, I think I was always trying to just, just manage it all. I had a lot of expenses. I had a lot of people I was supporting at those later years, 18, 19, 20 years old. And um, that left like maybe more questions to be answered and then more drugs to answer those questions and then so you, people you, think you I'm ran an asshole. To, you ran to drugs to to cope oh definitely at a certain point it was so it was so much that um I was like I need I need some superhero answers like I don't have them anymore like I felt like I always knew what I was doing it was weird since I was a young age too I felt like I could always see the future of like where I'm aiming myself and then at a certain point it was like you accomplish everything you ever kind of thought of. And then it's like, okay, I have to evolve as a person now to even understand what new goals and new dreams could be. And I think, I don't know, maybe I, yeah, I, I thought like doing psychedelics would give me answers. And part of those loops seem to give you answers and maybe they're not real. And yeah, it was a, it was a real trippy, trippy time, I, I would say. You're sober, you're <laughs> no sober now. Yes, I'm completely sober now. Uh, weed has been a bigger struggle for me. Um, 
uh, just dealing with like even ADHD and Asperger's and all this other stuff, like weed always seemed to help me, or at least I love to justify that it helped me. I also think I love to tell myself it creatively helped me. Um, you know, you, you, know a, you, you use it as a crutch. 100%. Um, let's, let's talk about this because do you feel that if you could go back in time and you could talk to little Tanner yeah. when he's about to do his first bong rip or first mushroom trip or, or right. certain type of other drugs that we were going to be discussing, but what would you tell him to, uh, to avoid it? Because I, I think coming from being your friend, I feel like you feel like during these times of substance abuse, it, it paused your life. It didn't break your life, but it put you on pause. Um, what would I tell him? I would tell him that don't listen to anybody else and just keep thinking about the day to day, which is funny because that's advice I try to give myself now. Um, it was because like, I think I was thinking so far ahead all the time and maybe I was trying to impress people or maybe I had all these other people that had some sort of monetary gain from my life telling me certain things like this isn't going to last or we got to do this or let's keep doing this or work with this company and all this. And then it became too much for my young mind. Like I let other people, I really just let other people's thoughts dictate my life when at a sense I was so secure in myself at a young age that like all I did, I was so pure to myself. And that's what I always, I always think like, why was the younger Tanner so much better than me now? Which is not true, but like it got him to a place of success so quick, like not quickly, quickly. And it was like, it felt so right is because I was always so true to myself. And then as soon as I stopped doing that, I think that's when I needed drugs to make answers for that. Mm. I don't know. So I would definitely tell him like, dude, just stay like this and, and every day do what you love and don't rush anything. Like I was so in a rush at a certain That's point. what I wanted to get at. I feel like little Tanner only wanted to ride and he wanted to create and he wanted to just be with his friends. Yep. And I think... It would he it wouldn't have gone his way because he didn't have a way. Yep. There wasn't a plan for anything. Like when like if we could just take a few steps back, the first thing you said is like, wait, you could make money on YouTube? Wait, hold on. You wanna buy my my videos? It wasn't you weren't trying to make money and you weren't trying to make success. You were just trying to make the day the best day it could possibly be. For real. You know what I'm saying? I so do, yeah. It's really exactly good to, it, it, it's really good. A lot of people think that when they grow up they they have all the answers, but it's good to look at our youth sometimes and, and, and see our innocence because our innocence didn't have intentions. Mm -hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. You Like when they say about kids that are like, uh, is racism, like are you born into it or are you taught it, right? And I know that sounds like a really, like a crazy, like why did you just go there? But if you put a bunch of kids in there, they're hanging out with each other and they're just chilling. Mm -hmm. But then when you get brought to this world and other people put their ideas in your head, <laughs> that's when it conflicts with your heart and your own mind. So yeah, I think it's, I think a lot of people in their adult age need to just take a second and be like, okay, I get what Sarah and John thinks or my mom and dad think or my sister and brother think. But like in this moment right now, what is my true honest feelings about this? And my honest feeling is I want to get on a scooter and I just want to scoot around. I want to record my boys beefing. I want to, I want to go to Carl's Jr. and get this free uh, fries. And I think honey mustard, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think you, I think you we hit it right on the nose having this conversation that I think life could be a lot more beautiful when you're not planning your pros and cons or your goals and, and non-accomplishments. It's, I feel like it weighs on you. Yeah. And, I, and I say this all the time. I go, if you want anxiety, think about your future. Mm -hmm. If you want depression, think about your past. But if you want a present, live in the present. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I, 
on that note, like having no expectations is always the best expectations. It's something I'm trying to repractice even now, bro, because I think we all get caught up in having too much expectations of ourselves. Like this guy has this car, this guy does that, or even you of yourself, you're like, no, I told myself I'd be here at this point, but it's like you're completely taking the present away from yourself. Yeah. Also, like just think about this. If you could have everything, right, why rush it? When we watch a movie... We don't just watch the beginning and then fast forward all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. The middle, the journey, the 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 problems, the the climax, the 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 hurdles. This is what makes a good story. And I always tell, and you know, it's so funny. Like, ask your friends and family, right? Like, what's the worst thing that ever happened to you? Uh, this happened, and you're like, would you change it? A lot of times, a lot of people will be like, no, because I learned from this and I grew from this, and so a lot of bad situations that we have in our head aren't really that bad. Like I, I sat down to myself and I thought about if I lost everything, right? Like what if I wasn't as watched and respected or maybe the industry one day like kind of wakes up and says, you know what? I don't really mess with George Janko and, and I become a has-been and being a has-been on social media is worse than being a has-been as a movie star and like, all these bad thoughts happen in my head. And then I just said, well, that's a point of view. But if I could look at it as if like, man, I, I went to the best dinners. I went to the best clubs. I went to the best countries. I have a lot of stories to tell. And I should be proud of the fact that I did this in my 20s. And I should be, if I had to go back home, it's not that bad that I go back home to my family that loves me. It's not that bad that I, I go work a nine to five. Because you know, it's so funny. We all don't have a nine to five. But there's so many times in our life where we're like, fuck, I wish I had a nine to five. Where I don't have to think about every single bill and employee and plan and all this stuff it's like grass is always greener on the other side but as an adult hitting 30 i just fucking realized bro like the grass is greener where you water that shit bro Hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah and we talk about the wolf right and and our like our little segment about the wolf is like there's a wolf that's chained in 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 a cave that's dark and there's a wolf that's chained in the light and I ask people, which one of these wolves live? And a lot of people go, well, obviously the, the light one, right? The light one. And I go, no, it's whichever wolf you decide to feed. So you could feed into the negative. Mm-hmm. You could feed into the, all the bad things that could happen to you. Or you could just look at the positive and just focus on where you want to be and the direction that you want to be and, and not be so concerned of everything that could go bad because deal with it when it gets there. Like, Somebody told me, like, if you could go and, and, and get the blood work, because there's something that happens, like, oh, it could tell you when you're going to die, like, instantly, like, or the day or whatever. It's like, but I wouldn't want to know that shit. I don't want to know when I'm going to die or know my future. I want to live my life. And in, 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 I really think that innocence is bliss here. What is it? Not innocence. It's uh, ignorance. Ignorance is bliss to a certain degree, bro. That's why we look at children. And we're like, why can't we freaking be as happy as these little kids running around? It's because they don't know the torment that's happening into this world. And they're living more like Jesus than anyone else. Yeah, hundred percent, bro. We and so I'm glad you spun into this. We met on a jet, and um, we could cut this out if you don't want to bring this up. But no, yeah, let's talk about this. This was at your lowest point. Yeah, this is when the depression hit at an all-time high. I accomplished 10 million subs when I didn't even know why I wanted to get 10 million subs at that point. I was so invested in my career and I was so worshiping money and I was, uh, I had a lot of people I was answering to and I had hit rock bottom. It is safe to say that I would say. And we had a, a, a really, a really cool conversation. And, uh, I want to bring up Lazarus 
because mm-hmm. you tell me that it, it stuck with you. Yeah. And I remember when we were about to shoot this podcast, I said, I really want to make sure we highlight over this jet life, uh, not jet life, uh, <laughs> this jet life, bro. Uh, <laughs> this life that we had that we met on a jet. So to give a, a little perspective of where we were, we were on our way to Jake's fight. Um, I have absolutely no idea why we were on this jet. I and don't. Nissan Gib, they were just pilot. I don't either, dude. We no, like who some paid for this? Company, some company paid for it to have all these influences out to the Jake Paul fight because that, in return, makes more people watch the fight. But good question. But dude, like, one of the people on Jake. A team jet's set pretty it up. expensive, especially going from here to Florida, right? Was it yeah, Florida? Forty-five k. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway, so we're on, we're on this jet, and uh, and everybody's doing their thing. This is my first time I ever met this kid. How is this camera going? Is it about to cut out? Should we like? No, I got it. Okay, cool, cool. Cause I, okay, I just, sorry, sorry. My brain's all over the place. Um, uh, we're on this jet, and this is the first time I met this kid, and, and something in my heart told me to tell him about Lazarus. And for anybody who doesn't know about this biblical story of uh, Jesus and Lazarus, Lazarus is a man who, uh, who, was, who was dead. And so I actually want to tell the story real quick. Yeah, tell it. Uh, be because quick. there might be somebody out there that needs to hear this. And... Uh, so this is the story of Lazarus. Please go read the Bible because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be paraphrasing it in my, my point of view. But it's very important to know that I'm not, I am not a, a preacher. I am, I am a man who's, uh, who loves talking about Jesus because Jesus did a lot for me. So I don't want in any way, shape, or form for people to be like, oh, this guy knows all of the answers. It's, 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 I just am somebody who wants to express myself. It's a great metaphor. I'm not a, I'm not a teacher. So please do your due diligence in reading the gospel. But the story of, uh, uh, of Lazarus is, is really cool, and I just want to go through it really quick. A messenger came to Jesus, and he said, your friend Lazarus is sick. And it's kind of funny that he says friend because he doesn't say, oh, there's a man named Lazarus. So in, in this regard, Jesus knew who this Lazarus was. So then I talked to this rabbi, and, I, and, and not rabbi, a priest, and I was like, so what's the story behind this? It turns out that... Lazarus and Jesus were friends and his sisters would, um, would, one of them would cook meals for him and, and the other one would wash Jesus's feet. So when the messenger came to Jesus, the way that we all come in a, in a time of need and in troubled times, we, we go, Hey, it's me. You know, it's me, your, your friend, your son, your daughter come. And help. we, and we expect Jesus to be like, okay, let me come right now. At this time, at this moment that you think it's good for me to come. But Jesus didn't do that. He hung back. He hung back for five days. And I thought, I was like, this is, they, they say the number specifically, and I read into it that the reason why I feel that Jesus waited that exact amount of days is because back in the day when you were a Jewish man or a Jewish woman, you would believe that the soul, when a man dies, does not leave the body yet. It takes a certain amount of days. So Jesus specifically waited so they know that this person is dead and gone. And so Jesus comes after five or some days and he's waiting at the gate. And I love this because he doesn't just enter. He doesn't just come into your home. He waits. He waits at the gate like a gentleman. And I always explain this. Jesus is a gentleman. He'll knock on your door. He's not going to enter like Satan is going through your window or these demons are sneaking into your house. He's a gentleman. He's going to knock. He's going to wait for you to open the door. And one of the sisters came to the gate. Not two, one. And again, read this story. I, 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 might, I, don't, I hope to not butcher this. My biggest fear is butchering it, but I just want to get this message across. Um, he comes to the gate. One's upset, doesn't even want to look at him. 
and that's so funny because it shows two types of characteristics. When we're mad at God for not showing up in time, we get mad, right? We're like, oh, where were you? I, you don't deserve to be God. There's somebody else that would be there at the right time. You're not doing your job right. And then there's some people that are like, no, I, I'm going to meet him at the gate, even through my tough times. And have faith. And have faith. So he comes in and he starts weeping. And it's so crazy to me that God's crying here because I already know that he knows that he's God and he, he's about to do the miracle that he's about to present. But he was crying not because he's like, oh, he's dead. There's nothing we could do here. I was too late. He was crying because they didn't have faith. So because they didn't have faith, he says, I want you to remove a boulder. Now, there's a boulder that is the tomb, right? So there's, there's a boulder that's blocking this dead man named Lazarus. And back then, you don't want to open the tomb because back then, we didn't know that much about spirituality. So there was a lot of rumors that like, oh, if you open the tomb, the soul could get lost. There could be a lot of problems. So he says, move it. And moving his own boulder showed faith. And I want to highlight this part. Because sometimes when you work on faith, it feels like you're failing because you're scared. You don't know what's going on. You're working out of other emotions. But faith doesn't mean you don't have fear. Faith means you have fear, but you're moving forward. Mm. So never be ashamed of having fear. Fear is something that we all are going to experience. So they move the boulder. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And this man raises from the dead and he comes out. And why I find this story to be so beautiful is, is I... I believe that every man and woman find that they come to a situation where they feel like it's dead. It could be a relationship between your mother and your father. It could be a relationship at work. It could be your dreams and aspirations. It could be your own children's relationship. Drugs. It could be you're your, your chained to drugs and this is dead. I, I can't get out of it. This I'm is how it stuck. is. Yeah. Too far gone. Nothing is too late. There is nothing dead that God cannot bring back to life. If you are on drugs, it is not too late. If there's a relationship between your mother and father and they're still breathing, he could bring that relationship back to life. Please don't, please don't think and pray and believe in a God and then put him in a box like they did. If you believe in a God, worship with all your heart. Don't be one foot in and one foot out because then you're tying his hands. He cannot move the boulder for you. He cannot try to start that relationship for you. But if there's something that you find in your heart that is dead and you're scared or you're afraid or you're angry, that's totally fine. But move forward and trust God. So I, I just wanted to take the time to tell that story for anybody who's out there that feels like it's too late, it's dead in the water, just know who your God is. He's, he's a very real God that breathes life and that there's no situation that you're in that's too late. And it's so nice to be able to put your anxiety onto something else and even feel like you can do that. Because the biggest thing that stemmed from that conversation for me on that plane was I was completely new to the idea of Jesus in a way. And you told me that story and it really resonated with my heart because at the time I was really struggling with smoking a lot of weed. And for some reason that weekend I had not smoked weed and normally every flight I ever went on, I was intoxicated and I wasn't that time. And I remember you told me, look bro, if there's anything, like after that story, you said, if there's anything to take away from this is if you feel any certain type of way this week, I was dealing with anxiety bad at that time. Like I didn't even know how to begin to deal with it. Like that's, I was deep in that, in that mud. And I remember you said, just say Jesus's name. Mm. If you're feeling, and, and I wanted to say this because 
like I took everything with a grain of salt that he said because I was very much like, yeah, all right, I'm gonna hear him out because I'm not I'm not intoxicated right now. We're stuck on a plane. We're sitting next to each other. I'm gonna hear him out. I gave my full attention. And at the end of it, before we got off the plane, I wasn't like supposed to be hanging out with you or anything, which we did hang out a lot, a lot that trip. Yeah, we that was the beginning of a very beautiful relationship. It really was. And then I remember you said, look, 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 Tanner, just. Next time you have anxiety, because I was telling you what I was struggling with. I was being real honest with you, too. Yeah. And, I, and then you said, just say Jesus's name when you feel that way. And I remember I was hanging out with some not so great people that weekend. That's who I was going to meet up with. Everyone had their little social cliques. Mm. And I remember I was, in that, I was in this house with these people, and I, I started getting an anxiety attack. And this is at the point where I didn't even know how to begin to control it, which following this stuff has really helped me even understand that how to place it elsewhere and not focus so much on my own issues. Yeah. And I remember I was sitting in this bathroom. I, I, like, I was just sitting on the toilet because I was trying to escape these people. And I was just like trying to get a free thought moment. I remember I said, I remember I, I prayed to Jesus. Maybe it was for three seconds. But I remember the weight lifted off of me. And then I'm pretty sure we started chilling a lot more that weekend after that. And that's when I first like was able to open my heart in a sense and like have any sort of my own direction in that area when I really needed it. And I, I wasn't able to put my faith really anywhere else i felt like i was at a dead end there and sometimes you still do in the future but i, I just wanted to add that because Amen, that's really what resonated with me that's from that awesome. too and moving the boulder for me was realizing that i wasn't even being honest with myself that like at that time i was smoking a lot of weed and i was trying to take breaks from it and i thought it was cool that i even had taken a break this weekend when we were able to have this conversation but to me moving that boulder was realizing that it's up to me to even give god a chance to enter my life if i'm if I'm always doing all the bad things that are hurting my life constantly, time after time again, when is God ever going to even be able to step into my life and guide me in any certain way? If he is real, I wasn't even allowing him to go in there in any way. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. I'm 100%. trying to show how that resonated with me. No, that, and, I, and, and by the way, bro, important. thank you so much for being this vulnerable. Bro. Yeah. Like, it takes a real man to really like to put his heart out on the table, and especially in front of the in front of the world, in front of YouTube, in front of comments. And, and uh, you're so young, bro. And... <laughs> I'm so absolutely blown away of the man you are. I, I tell you to go this direction and you just not only go that direction, you go in a direction so fast, so precise, you learn and you're so excited to share what you've learned with other people. You're a giver. That's why I said in the beginning, I'm not only with his money, but with his spirit. And that's and it's a very special thing. Um, I think it's important that we we start talking about you being united. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, a lot of people are scared especially during times of COVID, especially during watching conspiracies and, and, and listening to leaders online that are, are, are only leaders because it's financially beneficial to them. It's, it's, very, it's very discerning to my heart. Did I use that right? Yep. Thank you. I think so. Shoot it from the hip. Did I use that right? Sounded great. Thank you so much. That we're not in a community anymore. Social media is not making us very social with each other. I think um, we're living these avatar lifestyles where we're customizing our internet personas and it's not real. Yeah. And if we can't get to a place where we could be real, then these children that are growing up in this generation, it's going to be very, very tough for them to experience what real love is if we're pushing all the stuff that helps love grow. Mm -hmm. So if you're with somebody how I was with Tanner and vice versa with, with how he was with me, take a second to just hear him out. And not try to put on like a display of how good you have it. This whole conversation and this relationship only turned to the best because we were vulnerable with each other. And we were checking in on each other. And we were strangers. We didn't know who each other were. 
We had nothing to benefit from it, but we were real. And speaking of being real, I want to kind of talk about when we were both starting out to be sober together. I want to talk about the experiences that we were practicing together because I feel like Mm -hmm. it could help a lot of people get out of the circumstances that they were in. The last two years of my life was uh, previously, I've obviously talked about on Impulsive, had to choose the right time to bring it up. That was on me. Uh, but it was it was definitely the hardest years of my life. And I realized that nobody was gonna come out there and grab me. And it was it was my it was my learning lesson between me and God that I had to figure out how to get out of this quicksand, right? And what I learned was you are who you hang out with, right? This is the term that we always learn. But imagine if what you're saying out loud dictates your, what's going on in your life. Let me give you an example. You hang out with people that are ready to go to the gym that are fit, that they're healthy, they're like, let's go, we're gonna go, we're gonna get this workout in, they're excited. You hang out with people that are depressed, they're like, oh, I don't even wanna get out of bed, bro, today I'm depressed, I don't wanna do anything, or I'm, I have anxiety. I've heard, I've, growing up, the term I have anxiety, or I'm anxious, or I'm depressed, was I never heard that. And now we're like saying it in every single direction possible. Now, do I believe that there is no such thing as mental illness and people don't have a, uh, a disorder where they're depressed. Um, I, I, I don't know anything about that. I'm just talking about my life. And my life was, I was a very happy human until I started telling people, I'm anxious, I'm depressed. I, I don't want to talk about it right now. I'm going through it, I'm going through it. And then I had to kind of give myself a reality check. I'm like, bro, buddy, it could be way worse. And so I had to look in the mirror and train myself. So I'd, every morning I woke up and every night I, I went to bed, I'd look in the mirror and I'd be like, I would tell myself good things about myself. You got it. Today's going to be a great day. Give it to God. Today you have lungs in your breath. You, you have all the, and I just start talking so positively. The first week, it was really weird. I felt very uncomfortable doing it. But then a month goes by, two months go by, and now I'm excited to talk about myself. And I didn't tell anybody I was doing this, but I'm noticing the people around me coming up to me like, you're different. Why are you so excited about this? Why are you so happy? I realized that things are not bothering you. I started also noticing that there was things that were bothering me. Like, for example, I was short patient with people that were saying certain type of things. And I was like, look in the mirror. I'm like, today you're going to be patient. Today you're going to be understanding. Today you're going you're gonna to be quick to listen. And, and you're going to be very quick to just keep your mouth shut and just just hear the mountain talk, right? So I started talking these things. Me and you came over. It was in my heart to have you come over. And you were telling me, this is what I'm addicted to. And this is this. But I listen to your verbiage because I think it starts with your verbiage. I always joke about how we're made in God's image. And in the beginning was the word. So I always tell people, maybe the beginning for us is the word, right? In the beginning, he said, let there be light, and then there was light. So imagine if we're saying stuff, and this has already been proven that, our, that, that, that we do have vibrations in our voice, right? So imagine if what we're saying, we're bringing this into fruition. So when you came over, you're like, dude, I can't stop smoking weed. I can't stop smoking weed. I'm so addicted. I, I can't get over this. Oh, I need marijuana. So I got, I, what did I say? I said, get on your bike. So me and him, two times a day, one in the daytime, and one at nighttime, we'd ride our bikes next to this college, and I would have you say out loud, um, I don't want weed. And, and, I, and at first, you were uncomfortable with it. And then all of a sudden, you would say it, and then you start believing it. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, you would wake up, you're like, hey, guess what I don't want? And then we would laugh about it. We'd be in the stores, be like, wait, buddy, what do we not want? And we're like, marijuana. And then I realized by the second week, it, it, was, it was easy, mm-hmm. and we were believing it. So be careful what you say out loud about yourself 
Be careful what you're putting out there because you are putting the standard of what people are going to treat you and how you're going to treat yourself. And it's crazy. It's everything. It's like, it's like relationships. It's like family struggles, friends struggles, relationship struggles, drug addiction. It's all relative. Mm. All of it. And what did I tell you what we're not doing? And I, and I have a, I give people, I'm not kidding. I give them two minutes, two minutes to gossip or talk ill about somebody. But then I say, hey, your two minutes are up, wrap it up. Because I don't want the people around me to talk ill about other people. Why? Because the reason is we don't know what they're going through. That's one. First and foremost, there's no reason for us to be gossiping or talking about anybody else. Second is no good could come from it. So it's a waste of your energy. If you're not dishing out, every day you have a certain amount of energy that you're gassing out like, like you do in a car, right? Imagine if you could, if it's a mathematical equation and there's energy, you're burning. Why are you burning it in a direction that you don't want to go? And also I realize that when people talk ill about somebody, it's in the heat of the moment. And if you could master your mouth and, and, and not have your emotions dictate your tongue, Oh, you've become a very powerful man, bro. And th- this is why I love the idea of Jesus because he's such a great frame of reference. And you told me that Jesus will also judge you as you judge others. Mm, Did I butcher yeah. that? Yeah. So I was reading in the Bible. I was, I was always like curious and like on judgment day. I was like, man, like how does he like, what's the judging status of this? Like what, what do we do? And again, everything that I say, I'm saying it from what I've read and I could be reading it wrong. I could be, I just want to clarify that. I, again, I'm not a preacher. I'm just a man who expresses his faith because it's something I base my life on. But that's what it's about. I was reading and I'm studying and I realized that I, I came to a point where I think that Jesus has a ruler, right? He measures you by the way that you measure others. Mm. So if you're judging the people around you, be careful because God might judge you the same way yeah. that you're judging your neighbors. Are you cutthroat? Are you like, no, 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 one and done. When in my life, when I walk around and it directs. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do. Think about this. If I walked around and I, and I know that I do, I have ill intentions sometimes. My heart is not as pure as I portray it to be on camera because I am a human. There's times where I'm weak. There's times where I use my anger and I shouldn't be using my anger. There's sometimes where I'm using my fear and I shouldn't be using my fear. But imagine through those times where I'm weak, God doesn't see through where I'm going, like where I'm coming from. Do you get what I'm saying? He doesn't, he, he's not seeing it from a superior point where he's like, I understand why you're, you're feeling this way. And I find it ironic and funny that as Christians, we're like, well, no, God understands. But then when it comes to our neighbors, we're like, get out of here, buddy. You're done. And it's like, you got to be careful with that. So that's why I like to chill out on the gossip. And a lot of, you know, a, a, a comedian that I look up to, uh, a lot actually. And he knows I do. Cause we talk, uh, he told Logan as a joke, he goes, yo, tell, tell George to stop talking about him in his, in his own stories and his own, and his own life on the podcast. And he made fun of it, made it seem like I was cocky. Um, and that, and that kind of broke my heart a little bit for a split second. I was just kind of like, damn, is that how I come off at? And so I prayed about it and I realized like, if I come off cocky like that, I apologize. But again, I'd, I'd rather use my, like my own point of view and references and stories and failures and drag my own name through the mud so other people don't have to touch the mud and be clean then rather bring somebody else's name drag them through the mud so then another person that, that to me that doesn't make sense so if you're listening to this podcast and you're new i'm i'm a a, a brand new 30 year old man my name is george shanko uh i like to see you with my friends and 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 talk openly about what's in my heart and right now more than ever, I feel like 
as a first generation American, I'm just trying to talk to the generation that we're at and say, hey, we really need to start being a little bit more united. We got to bring that United States back. You can't have United States without uniting. We have to be united again. And we cannot be united if we're judging every single person that walks by us and not trying to see it from their point of view. Because imagine if one day you were like, really down in the dumps and I was like, and you were, you did something that like pissed me off and I was like, no, screw this guy. I'm never talking to him again. That could have stopped us from having a really powerful conversation where now I see you as a brother where I could rely on. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, we can learn something from each other. Yeah. Um, I went on a whole tangent. I hope uh, that wasn't boring. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing about judging people is, is I, I always think it's cool when I find the similarities when you listen to something Jesus is trying to teach you and then you actually think about how your real life is affected by that exact thing and personally i find myself say i judge a fellow creator that i grew up with like let's say i put them in a box to my friend because it puts me up on a high horse for a slight second like, Ooh, well, hold on let me explain i love that like like oh this guy like pff, how dare he act like that on camera that's cringe like maybe that's him being himself but i'm judging him for that now i literally just put myself in a box the next time i go record something and i'm like in the back of my mind i like Fuck, fuck guys who wear purple shirts. Fuck that shit. Like, if you wear a purple shirt, fuck you. And then the next day I'm going out and I'm, wearing, I'm like, I can't wear this. Like, you know what I mean? I'm changing my, my like, day yep. up because I judge them. So I love, I love when I can find things like that from when I learn something from the Bible and I can use it in my real life because it's so true. You legit only put yourself in a box when you judge other people. And that's what's funny. You don't think that you're actually affecting yourself, but like that's what the bigger message is about. Like it's like changing your actual day to day. I love that, bro. It's a double-edged sword. It is. Your tongue could either use it. Like I always tell people like, yo, you could, this, I'm trying to put it in like a, in, 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 a, in a way that it can make sense. Don't Hammer. give people so much problems that, that those problems become your problems. Like you said with the t-shirt. That's what happens. You know what I'm That's saying? That's exactly what happens and also by you, default. We were riding a bike and you told me something. You said, uh, I think I was judging other people because I had a problem with myself. Yeah. And that's, so, dude, like you're 20 something years old and you're speaking like, you're 40 years old to a kid and you're trying to explain to him about life. And so one, first and foremost, you should be very proud of like the fact that you could reflect and learn from your past experiences and, and try to be a better human being. Cause there's a lot of people that are two times your age and they still don't get that. The goal is to get closer and closer to heaven on earth, man. And that's like what I'm really starting to learn. The more I dive deep into learning about this stuff is it's really all just a big frame of reference for you to have a better experience on life and then better affect everyone around you to do the same thing because i think a lot of us live with a lot of pressure and a lot of like i don't know animosity like you said earlier in our hearts like we're competing we are all of us are all the time and that only directly affects our experience on earth when you really think about it when you break it down mm. and it's like the more you can f knock those walls down like maybe you have a little bit less pressure on your heart that day and like maybe you realize like wow i would have never gone on a bike ride because i judged that that person that was like shouldn't have been riding a bike and i never went and rode and then you realize like oh everyone can do the same things like i don't know like you said we're all building these avatars like we really are all doing that when it's like we're all actually so much alike that there shouldn't be any rules yeah i don't it, even know if that made sense uh, no, i know i it makes complete sense i'm I, it just it breaks my heart we're we're filtering out so much that like the young kids, imagine growing up in this type of generation, bro, where like everything online is like, oh, I have to be like that. Mm -hmm. I have to look like that. 
I have to be that successful? Bro, that's... Do you remember when you were in class and there was only like 30 kids in there and you were competing with them mentally? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, dude, Ryan's a good runner. You know what I mean? Like, he's fast. But now you go online, you're like, oh, I ain't shit, bro. Like, this is... No I'm nobody. Mm -hmm. and, it, and I just want to remind you, you are somebody. Also, I just want to put this into perspective. Uh, for anybody who's suicidal, I had this conversation with somebody who was suicidal and I said something to him and... And, and I wanted to, I noted it to, to talk uh, about this on the podcast. All right, I'm going to cut it there. If you guys want the unfiltered extended version, 30 more minutes extra is going to be on my Patreon. We talk about mental health, more religion. If you guys want to check that out, link is in the description. If you guys don't want to check that out, I will see you guys next Thursday for a really cool episode with me and my friends on the next podcast. Love you guys. See you later. Ooh.